Welcome to episode 250 of On The Schmooze. Let's do this. Welcome to On The Schmooze, the podcast that highlights talented people from different fields, explores how they built strong networks, and overcame challenges on their way to becoming successful leaders. Now here's your host, Robbie Samuels. I remember it like it was yesterday. It was mid-2015, and I had left my career just six months earlier to pursue speaking as a business. I was feeling a bit unmoored. After having my days clearly defined by endless deadlines, I was the one who had to decide what was a priority. And I didn't have a sport team to take care of all those mundane details. For months, I'd been consuming podcast episodes like it was my job and learning so much from them. One memorable takeaway was a sage advice I heard more than once on Pat Flynn's Smart Passive Income, advice Pat had heard from Jason Van Orden, then host of Internet Business Mastery. Quote, there's a difference between just-in-case learning and just-in-time learning. I had been doing a lot of just-in-case learning over the previous six months, and it was time to pick a project that would help me take my side hustle to a six-figure business. Since podcasts had had such a big impact on me, and I would much rather talk than write, I set the intention to host a weekly show. I knew that it would require a lot of focus and attention, especially since I wanted it to be a high-quality show right out of the gate. At the time, I couldn't have even dreamt that I would have the opportunity to interview Jason Van Orden and get to know him in real life. I wouldn't have dared to dream that I would meet Pat Flynn and he would agree to be on my show, and the thought never crossed my mind that I would ever interview Seth Godin. Yes, that Seth Godin. Want to know the secret to getting amazing guests? Asking them. You will always get a no if you never ask. Your challenge this week. When you first start a new project, your goals may be, let's say, modest. Dream bigger. Stay with it and thoughtfully develop the connections that will help you far surpass your original goals. Set your sights on your own version of Seth Godin and Pat Flynn. It may not happen overnight, but it will likely take a lot less time than you think once you start to actually work towards these bigger goals. Try this and let me know how it goes. Before we dive into this week's interview, my original goal for this show, which felt very audacious, was to host the podcast for two years. Today, episode 250 of On The Schmooze was released, and that's five years of producing 50 episodes a year. You'll hear me talking about this again in a few minutes when I get interviewed by someone else on my own show. But I wanted to let you know to focus my energy on moving out of state the end of this month and writing my next book. I'm running an encore series from the beginning of July to the end of September. That means that 13 amazing interviews from our archives will be re-released. Yes, including my talk with Seth Godin, but also including lesser known guests who had wonderful stories to share about their leadership journey and how they built their professional network. Also, a variation of today's story I shared Oh, first, I have my weekly email on November 13th, 2018, and it will be featured in my new book coming out later this year. Now, on to this week's interview. This week's On the Schmooze episode is the 250th episode, which is just wow. That means I've produced 50 episodes a year for five years. 
I almost gave this whole thing up though three years ago, and I'm just so grateful that I stuck with it. The show has only gotten better since then, and I learned it's not about just meeting, but surpassing milestones to experience my full impact on the world. For this very special episode, my virtual assistant, Pay Robbins, who knows me and my business better than anyone, will be interviewing me. That's right, the tables are being turned so you can learn about the host behind the mic. Please join me in welcoming today's guest host, Paya Robbins. Yay, Robbie, I'm so excited to be interviewing you. Paya, well, the show is all yours. Where do we begin? So I wanted to take a spin on your signature question at the top of every show. How have the last 15 months of your life and business changed your definition of leadership? And how have you changed how you lead? Wow. Okay. So uh, really a lot has changed and yet nothing has changed. One of those cryptic answers. Um, In many ways, I continue to try to just show up and add value. That is the the driving sort of principle behind what moved me to to take action in March, 2020. Uh, I had this um, other guiding principle, which was that I believe that um, events and meetings were about content and connection. And so in a world that had so dramatically changed and no longer needed the skills that I had spent a decade plus, you know, cultivating and expertise that I had worked hard to be recognized for, it was really a question of, yeah, how do I show up and add value? And that I thought, you know, what people are going to remember 10 years from now is who showed up. You know, they're not going to even remember always exactly what that person did, but just that people took initiative, took action. And that's, I just sort of had to feel my way forward. And I think that leadership had to be a lot more nimble. Um, a lot more responsive to what was happening in the moment. And the horizon for planning got really, really short. Um, You know, there was so many unknowns, but I guess in some ways that made me freer to try things because the whole world was going through such dramatic, dramatic changes. And no one was going to be paying attention to me if I utterly failed. (laughs) Like, Like there was some freedom in that because... Uh, I couldn't take what I was doing too seriously, knowing the backdrop of which I was doing that was against this like global crisis that really, honestly, it wasn't even just about the health crisis, but that it like opened up all these other, you know, other versions of crises that we really had been ignoring around race and class and justice. So, uh, you know, in in that context, there really wasn't much I could do that was going to make me front page news. <laughs> So um, even on Facebook, so so I I guess in some ways, leadership was about um, moving forward and showing up and adding value. That's awesome. And having been on, you know, seeing it from behind the curtain as well, just the way that you constantly step up and constantly add value and and just pivots at every turn. And I don't like to use that word pivot, but I mean, every day was something new or some new, I guess, struggle would be the best way to put it that we needed to just navigate through and the way you just very calmly and, and just very succinctly navigated through those waters was amazing to watch both front facing. And then from, from my point of view, 
I'd love to actually share a little bit about our connection and just it's just to give people a starting point because I hired you in February of 2020 for a very specific narrow task. Um, I had been I had spent like the last six months prior to that working on a new talk. Um, I had done basically the same talk for a decade, and and I was inspired to to kind of finally. You know, I had this new idea that I've been nurturing and I finally was like, this is the, I'm going to finally do it. And it meant a lot of new ideas. Like I hired someone to teach me how to do outbound sales and I was trying to figure out who I was pitching it to. And I, I just hadn't had a lot of experience needing to do that. All my business to that point had been inbound. And so you were hired um, separate from my existing virtual assistant to do just some research. But then clearly by March... <laughs> the the work was irrelevant and um and then very quickly like it was it was really was time from for me my previous va to move on um so i just asked you to assume some of the general you know my podcast duties and things like that um but your role has expanded dramatically in that time and part of it's because as i've had new things to try out i was like okay now i need someone to take this on you're like i'll i'll do that i need something to take i'll do that and you just you just kept saying yes so I, I also think there's something to note here about your willingness to take on a very, very basic, I mean, well below the what you could do task, um, which created an opportunity for us to work together in this really growing way in this past year that has been just a great collaboration. And I'm, I'm grateful for your support. It really is. And I'm, I mean, so thankful to be working with you. And you know that. 20, 2021 was my word of the year was collaboration. So it's so good to see how we've transformed this relationship, you know, over a year later. And, and just, I mean, there was never an idea that you came up with or, or a plan where you're like, Hey, let's check this out where I didn't want to support you there. It, everything, like you said earlier was unknown. We had no idea what the next day or the next week or the next month would be. So why not? I mean, and if if it didn't work, whatever, we would have a meeting and rally and try something else or change something about what we just tried. It's just how we work. And I really enjoy so much working with you. So what's your favorite part of this new, of the way you reinvented yourself during the pandemic and all the other things that happened? Well, it goes back to how I would define success. So, um, you know, years I, I've known Dory Clark um, a dozen years, and uh, and I know it's really hard for me to even do a show without mentioning her. <laughs> She's had such an impact and such an influence in my life. But um, watching her success, her meteor meteoric uh, success, her global impact, um, her flying and jet setting around the world, and knowing the downsides of that too. Um, and being able to sort of witness how hard that can be. Like, like I have a lot of speaker friends that were doing similar things to, to Dory, a lot of flying um, and a lot of travel. And, you know, they were like, wow, actually, I'm, I'm quite fine not doing that right now. And for me, if you had asked me, like, how I wanted to have an impact in the world, I wanted to help people gather in, like, profound ways where people truly connected and engaged I wanted to teach um, people organizing 
those gatherings, like a thoughtful way to do that, a strategic way to do that. And I want to teach the participants how to really leverage those moments. And I wanted to do that without a lot of travel. <laughs> so fast forward a few years later, and what I've basically created for myself in this past, like really 15 months at this point, it is that like, I have regular reoccurring clients, organizations that bring me in, you know, every couple of months or every month, like throughout the year, just to do different activities, help them run different events. I'm teaching them things about how to run those more thoughtfully. Um, you know, I'm helping relieve their stress and I'm increasing engagement amongst their participants and creating really valuable experiences. They're providing the content. I'm providing the, the structure on how to execute that. And I don't have to travel. So, <laughs> so I think like, um, you know, I ask people all the time, like, what do you want to keep um, that gets changed in the last 15 months? And um, I've had more time to read. Um, I've gotten really turned on to audiobooks. I've had a lot more time to cook and explore. I love cooking and to really have fun with that and, and just, yeah, get creative. Um, you know, I still feel like I don't see my wife as much as I'd like to because we're both super busy. Uh, but we've had more times. We've had a regular date night and like, just, I don't know, just things like that. Um, that's really changed. But I think my definition of success continues to be about wanting to have a great impact, but not wanting to sacrifice my young families, like my quality of time with them, which is what I think was holding me back from success prior to this, because the only way I, I didn't know this was possible. So I think, you know, there is a way in which we self-sabotage. So I never really put all my effort into succeeding as a professional speaker because that success translated to time away from my family and and they were very, I mean, our kids right now are three and, three and five. So like that, they were even younger, right? So I just, I couldn't, I couldn't foresee that in a way that felt good. And I think that's why I like, I didn't press go on the new talk, you know, much quicker, <laughs> for instance, before I knew there was a pandemic. Um, but now I've realized that I don't have to define success through that lens. And I can be thoughtful about when I choose to travel and spend more of my travel for family. Uh, and rejuvenation and less for business obligation. That's amazing. So, I mean, deep down, it sounds like your mission, what, what your business mission was and what your talks were about and things like that, that underlying theme has stayed the same, but you are just very, you're much more thoughtful now with your time. And I've seen that through the content you put out, like the habit stacking and, you know, scheduling vacations and your 12 week sprints and, and making sure you're more mindful of that time. And I mean, we swap kid stories all the time and it's really hard. I think that that was for me, one of the hardest things too, where like my kid is five and she requires certain things. And now there was no outside Inter there was no outside thing I can do with her during the pandemic because everything was either closed or had some limit or something. And so she was here and I'm still running this business and working with my clients. And so it, it, I got a lot of inspiration from you from seeing all those things. And like, I could brush my teeth and do squats, which I never did squats because no, that's exercise. But like oh, those come things. Now. now, now I want you to, to try it because you just said no. <laughs> it's actually on my list to do. And every time I see it, I'm like, oh, I'll just leave that for later. That's fine. 
but but that habit stacking works like i can bake something with my kid and listen to one of your videos and know like okay i have to edit this or listen to a podcast do show notes in my head do a quick recap like it, it's just those little things which i wasn't doing before because i had time i could sit at my computer and just have the time and now it's you know your focus is is separated so what the, and this i've been meaning to ask you for some time but this was just felt like the perfect opportunity what has been and it might be what you just said what do you feel is your biggest transformation during this time like what's the thing that you could not see a year ago or two years ago well it's hard to imagine but i didn't i didn't identify myself as an mc uh prior to all this and um I clearly have MC skills, right? So yeah. I, <laughs> but I, I didn't, I didn't claim that. I didn't name that. I remember joining the National Speakers Association MC Facebook group um, sheepishly, like, like, a, okay, I'll just join and see what people are talking about and whether I don't, I don't know if I have anything to add here, but maybe I could just kind of listen in, like, like not feeling like a full contributing participant, a member of that group. And when the pandemic hit, I had this sort of like, I don't, I didn't know the skills I had and how they were going to translate. Um, and then as I experimented, I, I remember writing about this in one of my weekly emails that in some ways it feels really inevitable uh, that I am doing what I'm doing. I am helping national and statewide advocacy organizations. And that part's important. Like I am a mission driven person of a history of working on social justice, LGBT equality, racial justice, et cetera. And so it made sense that I would want to be supporting those organizations. They're doing great work. And I'm helping them bring their events online, which is the, the what they need, but I'm helping them do it with less stress and greater participant engagement, which goes back to my core mission. But part of what makes me different, my, my, one of my key differentiators in that is that I'm not this like behind the scenes robot who just like, manages the breakout room technically. Um, I'm also providing strategy leading up to the event. I am helping my client design the program. I'm training their speakers, right? Um, again, I did not think of myself as a trainer who taught people presentation skills, but I've been presenting for so long. And I also, even though I was like, you know, on Zoom, I didn't realize how much I had actually practiced group dynamics on Zoom, which is really different than in person. So I would say those are just another piece of this is that I discovered that I had had actually quite a bit of experience managing, you know, how to how to facilitate online. And when you couple all these things together, I provide a service that puts me in a different place than a lot of people in the market. And once I recognize that, then I stopped trying to price myself or compare myself with a just quote unquote Zoom producer. Um, and I mean by that, it could, that could be your 16 year old neighbor. You know, that could be someone from Upwork that you just met. It could be a team member that like dabbles in this. I mean, that, that word means nothing and everything, right? So I had a client call me an executive Zoom producer. And that was actually really helpful to hear and for me to realize that 
what I brought um, was different enough that I had these other skills that if something goes a little wrong, I'm the one who will count to three, unmute, and then keep the show going. And that's included finishing the sentence of a person who suddenly disappeared because their internet failed. That's like making like a game time decision on like what we're going to do, how we're going to handle this flow. And that means pulling up very quickly slides that a presenter is having trouble sharing themselves. Like whether it's technical or just like we need to facilitate or when a speaker says, okay, like whoever wants to talk, go ahead. And I'm like, so we're going to use the raised hand function folks. And this is where you'll find it. And I'll like, just, you know, like just, and they're like, right. you know, like, of course I told them that in advance, like, like, come on, this is how we're, you know, but they're like, oh, thank you, Robbie, for stepping up to help us with that. So I don't know. I just think that not like, I have a really hard time just sitting back and, and watching things unfold in a way that I feel like I could have helped. And now I have a, a role where I get to do all the prep ahead of time to help them get, get it as good as I can. And in the moment, if something goes a little off, I, I'm there and I get to sort of jump in and I'm invite, I'm not just invited, but I'm appreciated for being able to jump in and MC or facilitate or I don't know, like manage the, in, I mean, I almost think like I'm paid to, to be calm in chaos. Like, you know, and if I can be funny, calm in chaos, that's even better. <laughs> like just really. Um, and my clients have said, that while they appreciate that their team is better equipped to manage their like week to week Zoom meetings, um, that they're that they're better at it because of the training I've given them, they don't want their their staff to be in charge of knowing everything I know about Zoom and how Zoom keeps changing because that's not why they hired them, which makes so much sense because in person events would hire an AV team right? Like a catering staff, like you would have professionals doing different pieces. So I, I, I think that I'm, I don't even know if I'm answering your question anymore, but you are, <laughs> I have this idea around discovering your ideal client. Um, it's a, this is a, I did a whole masterclass on this, which folks can find at robbysamuels.com forward slash masterclass. This is something I created in 2018 and I still reference all the time, but it's like, you have the expertise, it's you have the passion. So it's something I would do for free. And I know I would do this for free because every Friday I run a two and a half hour event for free. And then the third circle in the Venn diagram is impact and income. And those are coupled together because for me, it's not just about making money, it's about having impact. But if I just have impact, but don't make money, like that's a hobby. So I think my ideal client are the people who appreciate me for my expertise around something that I'm really passionate about. And they see such value in what I'm able to offer that they're willing to pay me and pay me well because they believe that like I'm providing something that they they benefit from so tremendously. So I think I just followed a mix of intuition and uh, and what would I tell myself if I were a client? I mean, it's not an easy task, by the way, to, to coach yourself. So that was probably one of the harder parts of this past year has been to get my head out of, out of you know where and just keep going and not get stuck. But I've got, I have great, great peer support um, and I've got great mentors. I need to unpack. There were three things very obvious to me during all that. First of all, I'm shocked. I'm shocked. I, we talk almost every day. I'm shocked that you never considered yourself an MC. Like that just wasn't a thing that you were. 
because you do it so it looks so effortless even in our meetings which are very casual you i mean you fill in the gaps you step up you offer advice or suggestions or things that i then take on in my everyday life i see that in everything you do in the zoom videos that you share in your weekly email that you share that that's very apparent in everything that you do in the five percent advantage training everything you do is like you're very and i would imagine that you're like that in real life because i mean this isn't a facade this is an act that you do so that is shocking to me i know you can't if you're listening you're listening there's no video but on my face right now when he when you said that i just i i couldn't believe that that was a thing and then when you said whoever wants to speak go ahead and unmute. All I could see in my head, and I will put the link in the show notes, is the video, Stop the Chaos, go ahead and unmute. Because it is my, I have learned through this whole pandemic and working with you especially, it is my biggest pet peeve on Zoom. Don't just let people go crazy and start unmuting. Like there, there's such an, an easier, more put together way to do that. So you can watch that video in the well, show notes. And you wouldn't do that in, in real life. Like in real life, you would not get done speaking and say, all right, whoever has something to say, go for it. You would right, never like, lines. you would, you would ask people to raise their hands. You would have people queue up to go to the microphone. You'd have people write their notes down on an index card and pass them forward. Like, like we have structures in place for a reason. And like, I don't, I'm, I'm actually was sort of shocked how much professionals, whether they're professional speakers, professional facilitators, would abdicate their authority in an online space. Like um, I had a professional speaker tell me about, she had a technical issue and it just, the whole event kind of blew up because of it. And I said, um, if that, like if a similar type thing had happened in person around your audio, let's say, um, if there was feedback, like how would you have handled it? You're the person on stage. She's like, well, I would have stopped everything, mentioned it, ask if we can resolve it quickly. And if not, tell people, I'm going to just not use the mic for the next 15 minutes until we get to the break and then we'll solve it. And I'm like, right, you would have taken charge because you had the microphone. Why did you not do that in this moment? <laughs> and like, because she didn't and like the people who were producing weren't producers, they were just, you know, like open the room. Um, and it was like, oh, I'm like, yeah, you still. So I think some of the like facilitators in person never had to think about who went next. So they didn't develop a skill to, to do that online. And I don't know, there's a lot of, a lot of things that like just made sense to me. Um, but yeah, that's one of those bigger pet peeves. Like, I agree with you that like could be so easily avoided. Yeah. I, okay, you said three things maybe though. So I think I, I yeah. interrupted you unpacking. No. So I, I just thought of another thing. So your dad jokes are on point. They remind me of my partner's dad jokes and they're they're terrible but so funny like deep down that like belly laugh not just the it's like the eye roll and the groan but it's really funny so i will say that i wanted to add that as well like you you can definitely come in with a dad joke and it, it just changes the tone if if you ever feel tension or or fatigue which people talk about when they're in zoom meetings all the time like a quick dad joke will will definitely relieve that the thing I find most fascinating about you is who your ideal client is. So I'm glad that you brought up your masterclass and I will 
put a link to that in the show notes as well. And I've read there, you know, they, you didn't know who your ideal client was. And you always say, whenever this topic comes up, you always say that they found you. So can you just share a little bit about that? Yeah, I, um, you know, that, that particular story is that I'd written a book and part of writing a book is thinking about how it fits into a bigger purpose for your business. It's not just about writing the book. And I, I knew that. So I started, you know, once the book was underway and it was, it was going to be a reality, I started thinking about what comes next. And I started getting excited about they doing, doing some kind of online program. I didn't know if it was a course or a mastermind or group coach. I didn't, I didn't know. And, um, and I actually talked to Dory about it. And her response was, um, you're going to learn a lot, <laughs> which is a prophecy, uh, not advice. Um, she introduced me to Liz um, Scully, who is a master of masterminds, teaches it, um, runs them. So I both got taught by her and I got uh, tended her masterminds. And that was really helpful. But my first uh, sales page for that pilot um, wasn't really written for who I really, really, really wanted to work with. It was written for who I thought might show up. And despite that, the people who showed up turned out to be people I really did want to work with. And um, one person dropped out before it started. And that became noteworthy later when I started to reflect on who my ideal clients were. Um, because that person who dropped out was in her th early 30s. And she said something in the effect of, I'll just figure it out, which I came to learn was not a thing that like my ideal client would ever say. Um, but I went, I went to do a second cohort of that program with the same description, but now these testimonials. Um, I had 250 people look at the sales page in a brief amount of time, but no one clicked to schedule a call. But meanwhile, in those same few weeks, I had like three or four people reach out about other types of coaching packages, sort of tangential things that I had not actually thought of as things I offered. You know, like I'm trying to figure out a, a book or a podcast. Can I get your ideas around some business strategy? Like just, just things that just were not things I thought I was selling. And it took actually meeting with a business coach for me to recognize the fact that everybody that was attracted to the work I was doing were all entrepreneurial women in their 50s. Uh, and I'll say and beyond, although mostly at that time they were women in their 50s, they're now and beyond. Um, and they saw in me something that that they like clicked with because it was something about how I talked about business strategy. It was that it was relationship-based. Um, it was that it was leaning into the strengths that they had and it was recognizing what they were sort of held back by. And when I reframed my offer with that in mind, it, it really clicked. And you know, I got to say that when I went to do my new website recently, I kind of, I didn't mean to, but I removed that, that very specific ideal client language. And I made it much more generic. And I then had someone find me through another source where I had this very clear call to action for entrepreneurial women in their fifties and sixties who were trying to like you know, the, the, the problem they have and they're willing to admit is that they're trying to, you know, launch a book or a podcast or build an offer. And, you know, what's holding them back is, the, you know, I had this whole sort of thing and this woman was like, oh my gosh, that is me. And I 
had to weave that back into my website. And I realized that like I had a copy editor work with me on my new website content and they had sort of, I don't even know whether it was they or I, or I don't know, but like it got really washed down and then you become just generic. And I'm not going to attract my ideal people by being just like a leadership coach, you know, like that's so generic. Um, So I'm very clear like on who I work with Um, one-on-one. It's not just specifically women. It's people of all genders but it's people of all genders who are attracted to the kind of way I do this work, um, which means it's like really awesome men. <laughs> um, and the, but the mastermind continues to be for entrepreneurial women because they have shared how helpful it is to have a space that I'm facilitating that they get to be in together. And it feels like such a privilege that I'm invited to help create those spaces um, and even when I was speaking in person, like a lot of the speaking I did was at women's leadership conferences, women's summits, like things like that, which it, in sort of all in retrospect, it all makes sense. And I don't know whether it's because like I have a history being raised, you know, in a, in a more gendered female way um, that I can, I can understand maybe more of where they're coming from. But I also didn't, I feel like some of the, the loudest things that they're dealing with around like how they should be in the world. I didn't get those messages, which makes me able to then say to them, look beyond that. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, don't get hindered by that message. Like there's other ways forward. And, um, but, but um, no, I, I continue to feel very, very um, just appreciative of the fact that I'm, I'm, you know, have people seeking me out to support them. And um, that's the coaching side of things. I think a similar thing happened, honestly, around the um, online space. I didn't set out specifically. I wasn't being like thoughtful at first about who I wanted to work with because I was just I didn't know this was a business. Um, but as soon as I saw a bit of a little bit of a trend, I was like, ah, you know, like focus on that trend. You know, like lean into that trend and um, accept that that's happening and like explore that and don't. Like I'm not, I don't know. I don't just do birthday parties. I don't do, um, I don't do, yeah. Like, I don't know. I don't want to disparage anybody who does these other things. It's not like that. It's like, I've just chosen the kind of work I do. And that means saying no to other things. And I think for a lot of entrepreneurs that can feel really, really scary. I know that feeling, but every time I have gotten more focused, my offer, I've been able to call to me the right kinds of people and when I diffuse the message, it doesn't work. So I need to just learn that lesson faster and faster each time and not get hung up on it because um, I think that's the difference of experience, right? It's like, I, I, I know this to be true. I've experienced this. Stop it and then move forward. And um, I witnessed for my clients, I, you know, my coaching clients, I've seen it. And that's the other thing is I was last year in the middle of 2020. I don't pay you knows this. I was coaching like a dozen entrepreneurs a week through um, a company called Miracy. And I mean, it was a great, great learning experience, both being on an amazing team, getting ongoing professional development from them about being a great coach, systems, just I learned so much, but also being exposed to this wider array of entrepreneurs that I would have ever um, had reach out to me. It just taught me a lot about where my strengths are. So now I'm back to just really doing my own private coaching and my own mastermind. But with all that knowledge, I'm able to even more clearly define like who I'm for and who I would want to work with. And I think that's, that's a really important lesson for every entrepreneur to go through. That's excellent. That's so 
full of great advice. And, and I've, I've seen that in you, you know, just in the way you show up and the way you add value to the world, it, it's very apparent if that it would, if it wouldn't work because you are very open about who you are, every aspect of your life, there's nothing you keep hidden. And I, I think that being that genuine and especially in this online space is so important as, as a person who would then decide like, who do I want to work with? Who, who's really going to help me achieve my goal. And you've always, I mean, you hit that nail on the head constantly. Your mission is to add value. And, and we talk about that all the time. And I think you are excellent at it. You, you just do it. And again, so effortless, effortlessly, it just comes out because you, you know who you are and, and who you want to help and you're doing it with a genuine heart and spirit. And it's just, it's really wonderful to watch. Thank you. Thank you. And I you know, um, can I just tell you that one of the hardest things you learn how to do is say thank you after someone says nice things to you. Absolutely. But I really do appreciate it. And, uh, and like everybody else, I'm a work in progress, but, um, but no, thank you for recognizing that. I do think that, um, one of the bigger lessons I guess from last year was that if I don't share my challenges and struggles with a select community of people, I don't mean like just on Facebook with everybody all the time, like in a no filter kind of way, but like I have an amazing peer uh, mastermind that I meet with uh, every couple of weeks. Um, and they really helped me step up because they're all people who are stepping up or help while helping each other do that. But if I don't, if I'm not honest about what I'm working on, then when it comes time to celebrate my successes, there's no one who will actually know why those successes are meaningful to me. Um, and I've been very outspoken about what's gone well. And to a large degree, I've actually shared the struggle too. I've, I've been more, probably more honest than a lot of people are about like, this did not just happen overnight. I mean, this is me a decade of pre previous experience that I'm building from. Like as, as much as it feels like it was overnight, it was not overnight. It's like, you know, an overnight success 10 years in the making. I just couldn't have foreseen what success would look like. But it's, you know, sharing the success along the way. I've been told by many people is very inspiring. Um, sharing the how I achieve the successes is, is, is even more important to me. And I've helped people unblock and, and get their own answers to what that looks like for themselves and achieve some big and little successes. And, and it's just, I love being in a community of people that are all aspiring together. Um, and the Friday group that comes together, like for my weekly uh, No More Bad Zoom virtual happy hour. I mean, there's just some people, the regulars that come, they've been rooting me on and vice versa for now a year plus, which is... Um, what I think we all need. We all need a community around us, um, holding us accountable, hold, you know, witnessing our challenges. And um, I mean, I had someone cry at my success. She was so joyful for me. And it makes me a little emotional, even just thinking about that moment where she was just like holding space where I had been a little blase about it. I was like, yeah, yeah, I don't want to make a big deal. I was like, I didn't want to make a huge deal of it. And then she just like stopped the conversation to be like, that's amazing. And she started to like choke up about it. And that made me feel overclamped, but man, you know, what would life be like if we didn't have opportunities for that? Um, and I think a lot of people are, are living in fear of their own success because there has been so much difficulty and, um, you know, there are ways to counterbalance that. And one of my ways is I give money. <laughs> I make more money. I give more money. 
I help people. I donate my time. You know, I don't donate my time anymore in like the way I used to. Um, I offer my brain more than my brawn these days, which is actually a lot easier in my back. Um, bad dad joke. So, um, yeah, yeah, it's been good, but I think it's hard. It's hard because some people have been really reserved around their own success and that I think will hold them back from serving the people they could be serving. And I don't I mean, I want my impact to be huge. And I don't think my impact can be huge if I diminish my own success. I only see this getting bigger and greater. Your impact is, has been amazing. And, and what you just shared, I remember when you were sharing, I don't remember what the, what the post was or what it, I can't remember now, but you shared a win, but it, I think you shared like the amount, a, a specific amount. And I was like, oof, that is he's really going out there in the middle of a pandemic. But then when you and I talked about it and someone else had come up to you and said the same thing, like, maybe I wouldn't share this. You're so generous with that information. And it's like, if, if you could do this in the middle of a pandemic and all these things that were happening, why can't I, why can't everybody? So I, I definitely appreciate that you're very generous in that way where you not only, you don't share cryptic wins, you you're, out there saying, this is what I did and, and offering to like, this is how I did it. And this is where you can get more information about how I did it. I've shared like in my weekly emails, I remember I shared my, like basically my sales, like outline, like sales script outline. And someone wrote back and was like, wow, that was unexpectedly generous. (laughs) (laughs) Um, you know, and, and, but like, how does that, like, to me, I've, I have been practicing the philosophy of abundance for I don't even know, maybe we're going on uh, 15 plus years that I've, I've had this concept in mind. If I give away time or money, I will have less time and less money. Like that's a finite resource, but giving away knowledge doesn't deplete me. And it has the possibility of growing those around me in their capacity and having a community that is stronger in that way is just going to be great for me as well. So I don't think me sharing like a how I did the thing is taking away any business from me. It's not taking away any possibilities for me. And it's attracting to me amazing, abundant people who have just as generously turned around and shared their like internal workings. I mean, I have not as as hard as this past year plus has been, I have I have not wanted for any piece of advice. Like if I'm like unclear about how to do something for my business, I know who in my network could help me. And whether I've helped them directly or not, I know that they will help because they see me as the kind of person who does that. And this is my giving rides to the airport analogy. Like if you become known as the person to give rides to the airport, someone will give you a ride, even if they're not a person who's ever benefited from you directly because they see you as the kind of person who's generous in that way. And so that's what I've been doing for 15 years. So I don't, I'm not actually surprised as much as others are um, that it works out <laughs> the same, the same way. I'll give you a different analogy. But when I got together with my wife nine years ago, um, she thought it was so strange that whenever we pulled into a, a, a very packed parking lot, I would go to the front door. I'd go to the front row and get a spot. And she just thought, like, why are you driving by all the seats, all these spots and way in the back of the lot? And then you're going to where it's super busy. And I'm like, well, I know that the people got here earlier in the day are leaving. This is something I learned from my dad. <laughs> like, 
And that if I don't go and check, then I won't ever, I won't ever see that possibility. I have to go and check. And I have more often than not been able to find a spot close because of that. And like, I just think that I translate that to as many aspects of my life as I can, like look for the possibilities, believe in the abundance, ask for help. And I think the people who feel anxious about who I am and how I show up in the world, it's really about themselves. And the hardest thing for me is really, I mean, I want to be liked. Everybody wants to be liked. So when I do a thing and it makes people, you know, their, their toes tighten <laughs> and they feel like, Ugh. Um, I have to remember that that's actually a reflection on how they've been operating in the world and that maybe I'm challenging them because they recognize they could be operating differently. And that's a hard truth for people to face. So, but that's not mine. Like, I'm happy to inspire, but it's not my job to help them solve for that. Um, but I do know that the criticism can, can come from a place that's difficult. So I want to be empathetic, but I don't also want to like own it. It's not, it's not mine. Hmm. How do we get into this topic? I, right? gosh. We got heavy real quick. <laughs> so you've mentioned your network several times, um, which is you know, just the theme here. That's how we operate. So how, how were you staying in touch with your network before? And how do you feel that has changed? I mean, you interview people every week and everyone always drops a little nugget of wisdom on how they do things. And I have even found myself trying different things and some, some of the things work, some of the things meld with my life. Others are like, ah, oh, this doesn't really work. How has that changed for you? How you network with people, especially people like you say that, you know, the outer layers that you don't see very often. And I mean, in the past 15 months, it's not like we've seen people in real life, but. Well, remarkably, I feel like I have met more people and formed deeper connections in the last year than in the prior five years before that. Um, and part of it's that I've been able to meet repeatedly with people throughout the last 15 months, as opposed to once a year, um, at a conference, I've been able to like take advantage of all the virtual opportunities that there are and host. I love hosting. So hosting has been my answer to this question. Um, when I go to a conference, the only meal I don't plan who I'm eating with is breakfast, but I still find people to sit with when I get to breakfast, but I will plan or I'll organize lunch gatherings, sometimes with a, around a theme, sometimes not. I'll organize dinner gatherings, sometimes around an affinity group, sometimes not. I'll organize drinks. I mean, I will just plot out and I will do a lot of the advanced planning. Like I will contact the concierge and say, what are the best restaurants within walking distance? What are the options in the hotel? I'm trying to find different uh, price points. I'm trying to find things that are good for different dietary restrictions. I don't want TVs in every corner. You know, what are my options? And they'll be like, here's the four places you would consider. And then I'll go and in, in advance, months in advance, if I can, I will book a table in these different places. So when everyone else is scrambling to figure out where they're going to have dinner, I'm like, oh, I still have room in my table. Would you like to come? And I could even do it that day or I could do it in advance. Doesn't matter. So I just had to figure out how to translate that into online, which is actually why I hosted my first virtual happy hour. I had you know, written on March 12th, 2020, nine ways to network in a pandemic. And one of those ways 
was to host a virtual happy hour. So I was like, let me try this. And, you know, I think one of the things I've been able to do besides my weekly event is I also host this monthly gathering for people who are part of Dory Clark's recognized expert community and people who are part of Michael Roderick's gate community, which are these two online Facebook groups that attract abundant minded entrepreneurial type folks. And uh, I asked them both if I could do a joint gathering and they were like all in for it because um, they I actually met Michael through Doris. So they're good friends. But that's been really cool. And we we asked deep questions. I actually used the Ask Deep Questions card deck that I got from Jan Keck. Um, so we'll have to put the link in the show notes for that. But, um, but I, I, the fact that I can repeatedly do that every month as opposed to this is a group of people, I did this one gathering one time. I also, I also used to host dinners but they were in my hometown and the only people who came regularly were people who were local. So I just, I just feel like I've been able to, to leverage my inclination to gather people together and to play host, but I'm able to do it globally now. And um, I actually have a friend in Australia that I've been talking to monthly since November, 2019. So it's been really fascinating to have that sort of external from the U S experience of the pandemic um, our countries could not have been any more different in how they responded. Um, and to witness each other is like professional growth as well. Um, so I'm, I'm keeping up with those kinds of connections too, as, as, as in addition to like my twice a month uh, gathering with my peer mastermind. And, um, yeah, no, it's, there's, a, there's been a lot of opportunities really to sustain, to have sustained connection. And I guess the other thing is that I put out a lot of great content. I will say so myself, <laughs> but I put out content that people have found value in and I've done so consistently. And so I've been able to direct people to resources that solve some of their immediate problems around how to use this tech properly and in a, in a way that leveraged like the outcome that created the possibilities, the outcome they were hoping for. And um, so that's, that's a way to do this in a, in a very one-to-many um, you know, posting that content out on social, um, you've been a huge help in getting, making sure that like, if I'm going to make the, if I'm making the effort to like make a video, make sure that it's seen by people. Um, so yeah, I, I think it's been both like one-on-one small groups and then intentional content creation, including this podcast, which again, I, I could not have foreseen what it would become. And it's been a, just a wonderful experiment. It really, really, really is. So one last question for you, which is how we end every show. It's one year later, June of 2022. What, I mean, we celebrate things every week with each other at our meetings, but what are we celebrating with the world? What are we sharing? I should have known this question was coming and prepared better for it. So um, I, um, I'm working on a new book and you're helping me tremendously with this book. The book is going to be a lot of the content from my weekly emails from the last three years, the stories, the the short stories with a business or life lesson and a year challenge this week section. But um, something that a lot of people don't know, but you do, is I also wrote about 20,000 words uh, for a book that I then never published because my business kind of took a shift. And I think that content um, is still quite relevant particularly relevant to the audience that I'm trying to reach. So I'm trying to think of whether that's woven in with this or not. So I say a year from now, that content will have been out. People you know, received it really well, benefited from it. Um, I love hearing from readers 
like how they put these ideas into action, um, that it's not just something they read about, but they actually took the initiative to, to do something and it led to good results. Um, and I'm also, that's leading into a series of free master classes that will lead into an offer to join my year-long mastermind for entrepreneurial women next year in 2022. So a year from now, we'll be in the middle of that. And I know I'll be supporting some amazing women in breaking through the, the probably mostly self-imposed barriers that are holding all of us back and being able to witness that and help them achieve greater impact and income is the best thing I could look forward to. Family-wise, another year of loving my wife and having her amazing support. Our kids will be a year older. They'll be situated. We'll have bought a home uh, in Pennsylvania. All the, all the turmoil of uh, moving and home buying will be behind us. Whew, that would be a huge thing to celebrate. Um, beyond any commercial or business success is getting my family situated in a good way. So thank you for asking. It's really fun to, to think about a year from now. Yeah, it is. So thank you so much for letting me do this and, and I guess ask probing questions of our favorite hosts. Yeah, thank you. This has been a lot of fun. Yeah, it has. I hope you enjoyed that interview with me and Paya. Such a pleasure to have this conversation with her about what's been going on in this past 15 months. What was your key takeaway from our conversation? Something you'll put into action this week that you'll benefit from for years to come. Share what resonated with you in the show notes at ontheschmooze.com. Look for episode 250. That's also where you'll find all the links and resources from today's show, as well as all the archived episodes reach out and let me know which were your favorite interviews. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with that one friend you know would love to hear it. And don't forget to subscribe for free yourself so you don't miss next week's show. Are you a fan? That's awesome. I'd love to read your review on Apple Podcasts. It's easy to find our page at itunes.onthechmooze.com. Thank you in advance and look forward to connecting again next week. We'll be interviewing another talent professional who has achieved success in their field or industry. I'll ask probing questions to get them to share untold stories about their leadership journey and how they built and sustained their professional network. Until then, have an awesome week. Thanks for listening to On the Schmooze podcast at www.ontheschmooze.com. That's On the Schmooze, S-C-H-M-O-O-Z-E. This podcast is heard along the Marketing Podcast Network. For more great marketing podcasts, visit marketingpodcasts.net.